Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Uh, this is going to be a different message than the first one, I think, because I didn't, I didn't follow my notes in the first service. <laughs> I, it was all introduction. So you're at the best one right now. I've thought a lot about this uh, message that I, I think that I'm about to preach. Here, in case I don't get to it, let me tell you what it's going to be about. Uh, we're talking about belonging, and um, I have four points to, uh, about belonging and um, how important it is. First of all, you have to accept, this is A, B, C, D. You have to accept uh, that you belong, understand that you were chosen. You didn't choose him, he chose you, and he chose you with a purpose. Um, secondly, you have to believe that. I meet people um, that they often, it's pretty common as physical beings that we want to be led by our feelings or our emotions. Well, I don't feel this or I don't feel this. Well, you, because spirit is spirit and flesh is flesh. Spirit doesn't have feeling. You don't feel spirit. When spirit moves, you can have a physiological effect. But primarily, first, we don't, so... You know, you go, so we have to understand that his word is spirit, and you don't always feel the word. But if you start to believe it, you'll begin to manifest it in your life, and then you'll be, then, then it does have a physical effect. That I am healed is the truth. That I feel healed, that's a different deal. So you need to believe that you belong, otherwise you won't feel like you belong. Um, you need to, the third thing is that you need to contribute. And uh, any family, I think the body of Christ is first a family, uh, the father wanted a family. It's what he wanted. He didn't need an army. He, didn't, he actually didn't need servants. He had an entire uh, atmosphere full of servants. He's got all the angels he needs. By the way, proportionately, I was thinking of this the other day. You know that, that like, angels don't recreate. They don't, they don't keep, con- right? So the, the, the entire amount of angels and demons are all present in, at creation. They're all right at the beginning. There's no more being created. Just think of the ratio, so you know what's happening now, right? If you're not careful, you'll think that like the world's going to hell in a handbasket and, that, and, and that, that these demons have a whole bunch of power. Well, there's like seven billion people on the earth. Like that waters down the whole demon pool, don't you think? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like you got to think about that. The fourth thing is about DNA. When you, when you be, belong to a family, uh, you take on a name. Do you know Revelation chapter 2 says that when we get to heaven, you're going to get a new name. It's good to have to do with our character and who we are, and we have to learn to accept a new name. Um, m- m- my first name is Lauren, my last name is Tebbit. I have a family name and I have a surname. Um, <clears throat> so, so you need to, and, and it's the first function of, a, of Adam, it was to name. And, and, and speaking a name is a, is a powerful thing. And, um, and, and I think as a father, that's part of our role as, as fathers. Is, is, is naming and then reminding our children of who they are. Uh, uh, a father, uh, I know there's a couple, of, at least one doctor, there's a couple of doctors in the house, but I think, and maybe it's not proven, this might be just my hunch, but I think, I kind of think the father is who determines the sex. I know, none of the doctors are nodding. But, but, but I, I think it is important, the thing with identity is such a critical thing. If you don't have a family that you belong to, you'll wonder who you are and where you belong. You'll wonder, like, who am I? 
And why is that important? As important as this is because your calling is always limited to your identity. And you will limit what you're called to do if you're not sure who you are. What you'll do is you'll end up reading, you'll end up reading scripture based on who you are. You'll think in Ephesians chapter 3, it says, unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can or able to ask or think. And that's where you'll stop because that's how you hear it. But what it says is according to the power that's at work within you. So that's the rest of that. That's when the, 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 when the, the, the Bible is not right when it's read out of context and when it's not communicated in the spirit in which it was written. So DNA and naming, it's a, it's a really important thing. In order to become part of a family, uh, there is a part where you surrender your rights individually for the family corporately. And you're actually, be, and you become thankful for that because that's part of your contribution as a family. You, you, you were saying, okay, I'm going to lay down my personal right. This is what Jesus did in Philippians chapter 2. He says, although he was God, he laid that aside, let go of his rights and became a servant. And, and that's, a, that's a profound thing. One of the greatest fears of mankind is the fear of death. And when you give up your right, you're, you're in a, you feel like you're dying. So when I have to give up my life, I have to give up my, when it says laying down your life for your wife, what men are supposed to do, which we're all doing pretty good at. My wife's not here so I can say what I want. We lay down our lives for our wives. What, what does that mean? That doesn't mean we like physically lay down or we'd be useless. What it means is we surrender our opinion and our point of view, which we all do so willingly. <laughs> we, we, we are, we're not just those who have died to self. We're thankful that we've died to self. We are the original Grateful Dead. <laughs> Beautiful freak show. The church. I'm in love with the church. I know we all fight battles, but one of our biggest battles that we fight um, is with ourselves <clears throat> and dealing with self and dealing with ego and all that stuff. Let me just read it uh, from Acts chapter f- 4, I think. It says, all the believers were, in one heart, were of one heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? What they owned was not their own. Are you with me? Like reading along? Okay. What they owned, they didn't own. I like that. Okay, this isn't a case for socialism, by the way. I don't think. Let's just move along. Um, they shared everything that they had. And the apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, and God's great favor was upon them all. And there's no poverty among them because people who owned lands and houses sold them and brought the money to the apostles to give to others in need. Uh, a little earlier in chapter 2, it says that they were all... Um, they sold their possessions, shared everything they had, worshiped together in the temple and in houses, had the Lord's Supper, shared meals, great joy, generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group, those were being saved. God is adding to his church right now. There's millions around the world who are part of, when we're when we, when we saying one church, one bride, we're part of the universal body of Christ. But specifically, we're part of a local church as well. They're, they're somewhat different, but they they, need to, they should dovetail together. We come under the headship of Christ. It's what we do. Um, we find uh, healing when we come together. And, um, and I think that just reminding ourselves that how important it is that, that we belong. And we belong one to another. The scripture says that we're, we're members one of another. 
that what you have actually is helpful for me and what I have is helpful for you. You all have a contribution to make. No one of you is insignificant. No one of you is unimportant. It's all really important. Every, every little piece, every little organ. I don't think there's any vestigial organs in the body of Christ. I think they're all valuable, useful. I hope I use that term properly. And, and we're, we all have value and contribution. The, what happens when cancer hits a body, because the, the mission statement of a cancer cell is just to take all the nutrients from the body and just build its own for the sake of growing its own. That's not what we're doing. We can't do that. We need to be contributing, every part contributing one to another. I love, um, so let me just, let me, let me see if I can preach some things here this morning. Uh, in in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, it says that there's some who are sick and even sleep among you because they haven't rightly discerned the body of Christ. There's something about where we're to, together, we find healing and wholeness and life together. Scientifically, it's proven that those who stay in a community of faith live longer, as well as gerontologists will tell us that as you get older, you, uh, have a partner because we're meant to be together and you'll live longer when you have somebody else with you because you're designed to belong. You're designed to contribute and you're designed to be part of a, of, a, of a bigger and a larger body and a bigger vision. Nothing holds us back more than in, in uh, securities. Um, and and in, when we come into a community, we have to learn that some of the green lights for us are when we find things difficult. That's not when we run away. That's when we rise up because we have the resurrected one within us and we rise up and we rise to challenges and we still can speak to mountains. We still can do that but we sometimes think, oh, what's my voice have to say with it? That's the devil. Here's what, here's, here's what he did. He had thousands of years to plan how he was gonna deal with Messiah when he came. The enemy had thousands of years, uh, arguably at least four, maybe, maybe longer. Like maybe, I don't know, a million years, who knows? I mean, the book only was back so far, according to me. But he had a lot, and so what did he do? When you're planning your strategy against how I'm going to, this one that's going to crush my head, I, I've, heard that, I've heard about this, the one that's going to crush my head, I now have an opportunity and I'm going to face him one day. What am I going to do? Hmm, let me think what I'm going to do. I'm going to use the Bible. That's a, that's a, isn't that a stunner? This, we, we need to, let's, let's, let's be careful how we promote our church. Um, Many times people say to me, I, I feel so safe in your church. Yeah, yeah, well, just hang around for a while. It's, it might get a bit bumpy. Well, you should sort of feel safe, but as long as you're around people, you may not be, maybe a bit of a false sense of, we're all people. Right? Why, does, why do you think the Holy Spirit's the comforter? Not just the counselor. Because we need comforting sometime. Now, um, okay, look at that. Let me get, here's what I wanted to say. Um, my wife and I have different driving styles. And this happens in the church a little bit too, the same sort of thing. We have different driving styles. And um, I think when you have eight cylinders, you should use all eight cylinders. That's the, my personal view of that. If you, if you, otherwise, although I get a little electric car and just kind of mm, like, bless you if you like electric cars. I like something that makes it like, that, that I, I got that much acceleration and I can step on it all the way if I want to. If I want to, I don't. But if I want to, I can. Um, so anyway, at, at a, at especially at stoplights when I'm turning left and a car's coming this way, apparently the driver's side is a bit more compromised, but I, she, she goes, okay, not now, not now. Here's what we do, right? It's, and and it's, um, it's just a little bit like on Braveheart where he says, hold, 
hold, hold. It's a little bit the same. I had a stop sign, so she she says, not yet, not yet, not yet. And I knew clearly, with eight cylinders, I can clearly get out in front of that guy. I knew it. I mean, right? Um, Probably, she's a bit more averse to risk. And so anyway, I pulled out and did fine. Did fine. And she says, you don't listen to me. I said, no, no, I heard you clearly. I just don't obey. But, but is it possible that we can listen clearly to Scripture but just simply not obey? Absolutely. You've got a self-will, and unless it's submitted to the Holy Spirit, you'll just do what you want, right? We just do what we want. We just do our own little thing, and then we blame God. But after we've acted stupidly, we have blame God for what our stupidity. So, we, so here's what he, he tries to warn us of that, and that's why the Scripture is so proactive. Um, so, so last week, I asked us to commit to a body. Commit to a body. I think this is a great one. It's really not a perfect one. We're not that safe, but we kind of are. But you're invited to think on your own. Unity doesn't require um, uh, that we have the, that we have the sh- same point of view. If anybody's married, you know that. You can love someone without agreeing with them. You still love them. I love love. Jesus died for the whole world. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't agree with them all, but he loved them. You can do the same. Those of you who are in marriage relationships right now, you don't have to agree, but you don't need to be a jerk, neither. You can, you, you, so we don't have to agree. Unity doesn't require we all think the same. Here's what I'm inviting you to do. Not to always think, you shouldn't always think the same as me. That's being lazy. Think on your own. You can think differently and still be unified. You should. If, right? When everybody thinks the same, someone's not important, not needed. Why are they here? You need to have your own thoughts, your own opinions, form them yourself. Take the things that I say, probably, you know, uh, I've, I have found that, it, it, I always thought that experience is the best teacher. It's not. It's only when we reflect on our experience and change our course. That, that's better. If you don't reflect on it, once, you get, once I get a bunch of experience, all I, that hasn't changed anything yet. I have to adjust my course. Reflection of experience is the best teacher. Okay, so I'm a little bit off track, but not too much. Um, fear, here's, a, here's the thing with fear. I asked a young man this week, uh, or last week somewhere, um, it occurred to me that he was making a lot of fear-based decisions. I said, could you just tell me how many of your decisions are based on fear? Like, is it like out of 10, like 80%? You know, eight, are you an eight, are you a six? Maybe ask yourself that. How many of your decisions are actually based on fear? Because really, it's only when we become fearless that we become limitless. When you're, when you're not afraid, you can do anything. As a, you know, I was, when I was young, I didn't have, um, I, I was fearless, but it was not based on wisdom. Um, so, so I asked this, I said, how, how much of the decisions you make are based on fear? So what, what I tried to do is I tried to get at what was his core beliefs? What was, what was underneath some of the, de- the reasons behind some of the decisions um, that he was making? Brene Brown says in her Power of Vulnerability, uh, fabulous TED Talk, that, that um, our, the, only, the only way, because we, we're all neurobiologically designed to connect, the, the, in order for us to connect, we need to become vulnerable. And vulnerability is frightening, not as much for women as for men. I think we, personally, I think we have a V-spot. We've got a place where it, got, if we ha- it comes to disclosing and saying we're not enough or we have a need, that's terrifying for a man. That's why, that's why the kingdom of God actually is inverted. And usually the thing that you think to do is pro- it very easily could be the opposite, becoming known now. You're making yourself available to the other person. You know, so why, why don't people, why don't I feel close to people? Well, because you're distant from them. 
And the only way you come close is by opening up yourself so they can see what you're really like. Intimacy, see into me. Into me, see. See into me. That's a great hat, Blake. I like that hat. Now, the thing about, the thing about commitment, I asked this for commitment. Uh, we are all committed. You're all committed. You're committed to your beliefs, your personal beliefs. Your life is a result of your commitments. If I don't ask for your commitment or, you, or your allegiance to Christ, the world is going to ask for your commitments to other things. So you're already committed. You're commi and some, some, I meet people all the time, they're very committed to their personal comfort. Well, that, well that, someone wrapped up in themselves, it's a pretty small package. You find, really? That's all there is to you? Just you about you, about you, about you, about you. You wonder why you don't have any friends? Because it's got to be about somebody else eventually. No, nobody calls me. Yeah, well, you're not nice. You're rude. You're mean. You're just mean. When people, you're just mean. Don't expect for someone to be positive around you if you're consistently negative. You'll drive all the positive people away. Eventually, they'll get played out. I'm an optimist, unbelievably an optimist. I don't think that the glass is half full. I think that it's always being filled. So, um, um, nobody comes to visit me. Yeah, well, nobody likes you. That's what friends are for. Friends will tell you the truth. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. There was a, there was a girl here in the first, a lady here in the first service. I, I went over to her house um, for dinner, and she said, boy, you don't have many friends, eh? I said, why would you say that? Well, a friend wouldn't let someone with a watch like that go out in public, is what she said. <laughs> I was so happy with my watch. It had a bright red band on it. I was so, I was like, I, and I rolled my sleeve up. I was rocking it. Felt like Joseph and his coat. He had his coat. I had my watch. She said, a friend wouldn't let you, a real friend would. And I, no, I said, no, a real friend would buy you a different one if they, like, that's what they do. <laughs> Seen a need, they'd meet it. I didn't say that, but I, I thought of that later when I got home. Gosh, that was rude, I thought. Um, but we're all committed. And, and if, you, um, if, you try, if, if you try vulnerability, you, you might fail. But, but the, the chances are you'll become closer, you'll, be, you'll get, the, the, the opportunity to connect is there when we drop the, our guards and we lay aside our armor and we remove the fig leaves from hiding and, um, and um, we become known and become open and vulnerable. It takes this takes incredible courage, um, I think, but it's the only way you grow. If I ask you how you grew, how are you growing? And what did it take to make you grow? You need to be challenged in order to be changed. If something didn't challenge you, it'll never change you. So you have to be challenged. If you, if you have somebody in your life who speak the truth to you, you are blessed. You're double blessed if you listen to them. My, my mom told me for years I shouldn't talk with my mouth full. I, couldn't, I, I did, never could understand what she was talking about. Because, of course, I never, you don't eat in front of a mirror. And a little bit later in life, I, I was out for dinner with this guy, and I said, man, he was, I came home, and I said, Honey, Kelly, you wouldn't believe this guy. Talk. He fills his mouth up, and then he talks. It's the most, I'm just revolted by it. And she goes, she didn't say it, but she was, I could tell. I read the look. I knew I was busted. And I go, really? She said, yeah, nobody likes looking at your food half digested. What are you talking about? I said, no, this guy was worth, I, have, I only put a little bit, and I put it out in my cheeks like a gopher, and then I talk through my teeth like this. I'm fine. No, 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 you're not fine. This is what spouses help you do. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And friends, acquaintances won't tell you the truth. They'll let you live with that piece of lettuce in your teeth the whole meal. They won't say a thing. But a real friend will say, buddy, get the, get the lettuce, the teeth. Okay, so 
Time, time shows what you've planted. Time will reveal the things that you've planted. That's what, that's what entering my sixth decade has taught me, is that time will reveal, time's not a good healer. It kills all of its kids, its students. Time, time's not a good healer. Uh, uh, the kingdom of God is the family of God. And, and in our culture, we've lost the sense of family. We're taught to pray this, our Father. And that implies four things. The first, first thing it implies is that we're not, you're not alone, it's our. And the second thing is, is that you're part of a family. You have a Father. That's very profound. That you belong. And that, that you're noticed. And that you're not alone. That you're part of a family. And that's very powerful, I believe. When we come to Christ, there's actually a part in us, our spirit, that goes, Daddy, Abba. And our spirit cries out. Your head may not, but your spirit will. That's Romans, uh, Romans chapter 8. It says that there's a, I'm home. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, when Jesus um, met this woman at the well, she, he reminded her that she belonged in that culture, a woman could not divorce. Only men could divorce. And she, she, he said, he started talking about her husband. She said, well, I don't have one. She said, no, that's right, you've had five. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. Jesus talked to a woman, a Samaritan woman. And as he spoke to the Samaritan woman, uh, he was speaking to a Samaritan woman who has been deeply rejected by five men. Like not just once, not just simply objectified for a weekend, but five different times, completely uh, and, and divorce. Here's what, and, and his disciples were watching, and as they were watching from a ways away, they said, what's he, what's he doing? Now, I think they did this all the time. I like those little parentheses about the boys. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's teaching them how to relate to people who have been rejected and remind the, these people who have been rejected that they're valued, that they're included, and that they belong. He says, watch, watch do as I do. And that's what he did. And she, this woman who had lived with years of rejection and thought she was both a Samaritan outside of the chosen people, Jesus said, no, 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 no. Because in Christ, he's come, we're accepted now, not male or female, nor black or white, nor Jew or Gentile. So there was a, it was a profound moment of him, of him t uh, communicating and, and reminding this woman that she was valued. What we do in the body of Christ, when people come in, what we need to do is remind them that they've got great value and that they belong. We need to continually remind them because they'll be told they're not good enough. You'll be reminded in, in our outside, in, in normal culture, outside of family, you'll be told you're not smart enough, not pretty enough, not mama, 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 mama enough. But here when they come here, we need to reach out to them and remind them that they're, they're, they have purpose. If anybody's ever been lonely, that's proof that you were, we were designed for connection. The, 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 the worst torture in the world is solitary confinement. Why? Because we were meant to be together. We, it's, all, it's been proven that we need to be touched. I touch people all the time. Listen, here's what I'm going to do. If you don't like to be touched, you better run when I come around because I'm going to touch you. And if you'll give a slightest indication that you want a hug, I'll hug you. Kelly's different. Her personal space is about there. Mine's right there. I don't, but, but I think you should touch the people you love because in order for people need touch. Touch the people you love. Someone hashtag that. I think that's an important thing. Um, but here's, but, because, but don't, don't let anybody talk you into your just a single cell amoeba that climbed up on the shore one day and after billions of years, now you're something. Here's my, here's my, here's my hypothesis, here's my theory. Here, no, here's my, um, here's a thought. An atheist should never ask, what's my purpose? 
because you're an accident. If there's no God and there's no family of God and that you weren't created with destiny and hope and purpose, if you just one day were this that over billions of years became of that, but you're not. The word desire, it has to do with siring, fathering. Desire is always proof of existence. I know there's such a thing as a ribeye steak because I desire one. And the longer we go, the more I desire it. If you're, if you, here's what I pray, pray for women all the time. If you feel like you want to be a mother, I want to pray for you that you become a mother because desire is proof of existence. If you have a gift of celibacy and singleness, I'm just going to leave you alone. But if you desire a mate, I will pray for you. Why? Because desire is proof of existence. It's a remarkable thing. Um, but as a, as a young man, I remember the one thing I wanted to do. I remember where I was. I went to, we went to Kelowna for Christmas. The one thing I wanted to do, the only thing I wanted to do, is I wanted to tell my dad that I loved him. Anybody who's had to tell their dad they've loved him who hasn't said that for like a decade or two, know the tremendous pressure this puts you under. It took incredible courage. I've done a lot of things that, that were very courageous. Uh, you know, maybe unwise. But they felt courageous at the time. But boy, telling my dad I loved him was one of, the, one of the hardest things. Should have been the most natural thing. It was the hardest thing I could do. Because here's what I was afraid of. He may not say I love you back. He, he actually may reject my love. He didn't know what to do with it, frankly. But, I, but here's, what, here's what happens. When this, the love of God gets bubbling up inside of you, it actually doesn't matter what comes back, Really? Because you're, you know that love never fails. The type, that, what type of love is that? The love that just wants to give. It's not expecting something back. It's okay to just give. It's sacrificial. I was so impressed with myself um, yesterday for, for about an hour or two. Um, when we were, um, we really were on a really, 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 well, we didn't have any money. And, um, so, but, we, but I wanted to take the kids to Disneyland. So I, so I told the kids what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to, this is where slave labor comes in. I, um, we planted four acres of strawberries and I said, um, we're going to take 50% of this money we make and we're going to go to Disneyland with it and the other 50% we're going to give to a mission organization. I want to teach the kids to give and I want to teach them to work. I mean weed. I mean get their fingernails dirty. Like come home and can't get it off, that kind of thing. And um, so anyway, after we, of course... You pick at operations, it takes a lot of, I mean, ex uh, Disneyland was expensive like 40 years ago when we did this, but um, no, it would have been about 25 years ago. So anyway, um, and I bought my wife a picture of a strawberry, a watercolor of a strawberry, just to remind us of this season, because we ended up going. It took four years, but we got there. And we all contributed. And a whole bunch of missionaries were blessed in the meantime. Um, and so I got this uh, picture, and it, it's been up in, our ad in the rafters for, for uh, a long time. Um, my choice of Art and Kelly's are different. I think antlers are fine anywhere. She doesn't. Um, so anyway, I got, and I read, because whenever I, I, I wrote, did something for the kids, I'd write in the back. Whenever I gave something to Kelly, I'd write on the back. I'll tell you what's going on. You know, what's, anyway, I, I put, make a big long thing. But anyway, here's how I signed it. I was so proud of myself. Sacrificially yours. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. But you know, marriage Marriage, a couple of fiancés there, marriage, marriage, marriage is about sacrificial love. 
is about a love that keeps giving. That's what it is. Um, by nature, by nature, sacrifice hurts. Like a sacrifice, I don't know if you ever thought about those little sheep that got sacrificed. That would have hurt. I'm, sacrifice, it hurts. Um, oh, I'm just really off track. So um, in the Old Testament, um, here, here's, here's what the, here's what the but let me just, I'll just go quickly, but I want to say this point. John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, uh, to, to those who received him, he gave the right or the privilege to become children of God. It was a great day for me when I realized that I was not saved to preach, but to be a son. That was a big day. You mean I don't have to pray? No, you, I want you to be a son first. And let, let, your, let, let your preaching, praying, prophesying, and carrying on, let that come out of a place of sonship. And that's why the higher level, the higher, higher law, uh, sowing and reaping works universally. We know that we, when you sow, you get what you work for. But inheritance is higher than that. You get what somebody else worked for. You get your inheritance when you're rightly related in the body of Christ. And your inheritance, your spiritual inheritance, inheritance will flow to you. This is, this, is a, this is a very, very big thing. Are you rightly related to a church? Are you right? <laughs> so point number one. Um, that was my introduction. I'm going to just wrap up with this thought because we're, we're, we're at that time right now. Um, the, there's one way to live unoffendably, and that's to be a servant. I just love this passage in Matthew chapter 5. I tell them to do that, by the way. They're not out of order. They know when time's up. I know when you're kind of done. No, actually, I don't. They know. It says in Matthew chapter 5, it says this, you've heard it said that the love, uh, love most love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I'm going to say to you something different, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting like true children of your father. Our behavior needs to be like the king. And he said, if you don't, don't just do what's done, like what, what, what he says pagans can do, this other stuff. He gives his sunlight to both evil and good. He sends his rain on just and on unjust. And if you love only those who love you, what good is that? Well, I think it would be pretty good for them. But he said, no, no, I want, you to, I want you to go to another level. And he says, even corrupt tax collectors do that. That wasn't a compliment. But he says, how are you any different from anybody else? Even the pagans do that. But, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And the term perfect, I looked up. It says to be whole, to be fully mature, and lacking nothing. To be perfect means that we, to, to be fully mature, to be, when we begin to act like our heavenly daddy, like a king, and one of the great qualities of royalty has to do with loyalty. These, sometimes the kingdom qualities are not very sexy. Faithfulness gets bad raps often. Faithfulness is a kingdom quality. Can you be counted on? Can you be faithful? I put it in people's vows all the time. I will be faithful to you alone. It's a kingdom quality. And here's why he says that. He said, you'll be acting like true children of your heavenly father. Here's why. Because that's how God acts. That's how your heavenly father acts. He doesn't just love those who love them. Here's what he's saying. He said, what good's that? Everybody does that. You get love, you give love back. He said, no, no, I'm talking about another dimension of life. That's when you don't require somebody to love you back, but you take, not only do you love your neighbor, you love your enemy, and you pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because that's what your heavenly Father is doing now. The big work of intercession on behalf of you and I, that we would make a kingly 
godly choice of a son and a daughter, not of a worker bee. You and I were saved for a purpose. You've been called into a family. You belong in a body. Will you take on his name? Will you take on that commission? Will you take on the demands and the of a servant and lay aside the old, your, own, your rights and pick up that of a servant? Servants don't need to be thanked. I get this all the time. He didn't even notice. Did you not notice I was doing that? I, I don't say stop your wine and take your finger out of your thumb out of your mouth finger out of wherever that was too. I don't say that. But I think true servants don't need someone patting them on their back. They're happy just to serve. Careful about confusing your call with your service. David many times gave up the opportunity to use his service as a stepping stone because he knew who he was serving. He was serving both the one in the office and the one that created the office. How do you hold your heart towards somebody who's been placed over you to lead you? How do, and, and this was, this was day, at the end of David's life, it says he served his generation. You ever wonder what he ever did with that sling? I wonder, why, why didn't he pick that thing up again? He was awesome with that sling. Here's what, here's what got him into the king's court. I hated piano lessons as a boy. David probably did too, but he didn't realize that doing what his mama said was preparing him for access into the king's court. He said, no, he needs somebody who can play that harp well and it'll deal with the demons in him. And so then it says, he, after he got in because playing the harp, then he began to carry his armor. And then one day required him to do something even more nobler. He says, to step in the place of a king. And Saul says, you want to put on my armor and look like a king? He said, no, 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 I'm just going to serve the king. Do you see the difference? Father... This morning we're grateful that we get to serve you. And Lord, I don't know if I hit it right down the line or not, but I thank you that you've called us to belong. And that alone we're, we're not it's not good for man to be alone. But together we could we could we could change this city and impact this nation. Father I break off the, the, the legalistic demands over sons and daughters that they felt they had to perform to be accepted. <clears throat> and I release them to be well-loved sons and daughters of the Most High. Your word says that our sons and our daughters would prophesy, those that were rightly connected to kingdom authority. And I thank you that you said, because you have now both authority on heaven and on earth, that we can go so, Lord, we choose to use our authority to serve. And, Lord, I pray that this church and this body would be known as those who would serve. That we wouldn't point fingers at one another for being different than us. But we'd be willing to serve. Lord, where do you need us? It's required of a soldier he'd be loyal <clears throat> and he'd be faithful. For those of us who have stepped back from place because it got a little hot or it got a little stormy, Father, forgive our insecurities for needing to be noticed and needing to be wanted, needing to be affirmed rather than coming to you for our affirmation. Lord, let us settle our identity as sons and daughters, not performers wanting to earn their place or earn their affirmation by what they can do. But let us be comfortable in just who we are. 
Lord, I thank you that today in this place, I declare connection and protection over this body. And those you're calling to commit to this body, that they would know in their hearts, they wouldn't, they'd make a decision in their hearts, say, this is my church, I'm gonna take on that name, I'm gonna take on the family name and the family traits and the DNA. Father, I just thank you for the privilege of being able to serve this body in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you just stand with me while I pray? I'd like you to be standing when I pray over you. We're just going to be released right now. If you, if you came with a, anything I said was un, unsettled in your heart, specifically about being rejected, I'd like, I'd like to welcome you to the platform. We pray for you. Not, not being included, being marginalized or not heard or minimized or unseen or something like that. If you're feeling that today, we, our team is prepared to pray for you. If you'd like to rededicate your life to Christ, let's ask the prayer team to come forward now. If you'd like to accept Christ, uh, if you'd like to just have someone to agree with you that you've got a part and that you belong uh, and affirm that over you. If you have any need in your body at all, we're here to pray. You should leave a little different than when you came. This morning, I just want to say how thankful I am that I can preach the word freely as best I know how and that you'll receive it and you'll have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, not just what Lauren is saying, but you'll hear the word of the Lord and you'll take that and you'll go make a difference this week. God bless you. Through those doors walk people who belong and are connected to the Most High God. Sons and daughters, God bless you. You're released. Go and change your world. Amen. about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.